0: To handle that cape for the last time.
1: Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material.
0: Spoken Label. Hi, it's Andy from Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016, and records show it started off really as a one off podcast chatting to writers poets and artists over time it became monthly then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis to date i've done over 330 sessions and i'm always looking for new poets writers artists singer-songwriters general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast podcast you can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp dot com. Obviously, now, to help me with the running costs, of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Nable. Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken and label. back in the house. First recording this year, and I'm full of fucking cold. So let's see how the voice holds up today. But either way, if I end up going quiet on you, it's because I'm ill. But I've got a wonderful writer with me today. And I've been speaking to this young lady before. We were not reckoned, and, and don't we? About well over three years ago we first got talking. Definitely pre-
1: Pre-pandemic, yeah, it pre-pandemic, <laughs> it's
0: it's always nature. the is a spoken label. Sometimes I can be chatting people for years before I get around to actually getting them on the session. And we've had a. I'm going to do. I'm going to let Rhiannon do self pop in a minute, but I reckon we've had two or three attempts now to try and get this record session booked in, and it's <laughs> not happened for whatever reason. right? So shit happens. So listen, anyway. I thought I've got the wonderful Rhiannon with us now. Rhiannon, tell us first of all a little bit about yourself. Obviously, where are you from originally, where you are now, and what started you off with your creativity?
1: Uh, Yeah, cool. Um, Hi, I'm Rhiannon Sky. I perform poetry under Goodnight the Sky, so that's where you can find me on everything. Um, And I, uh, my origin story is pretty boring, actually. I'm Leeds born and bred. Uh, I was born in Beeston. Mm. I've stuck around in Beeston. I went to uni in Leeds, and I'm still in Beeston today. Oh, um, oh really? Yeah, Come... yeah, although I'm moving. We're moving to Gipton in in a couple of months. But yeah, I've I've never strayed from Leeds and I doubt I ever will, which is uh, not the most the most exciting origin story. We, we, um, we were
0: we were actually up in Leeds a couple of weeks ago, me and Amanda were actually my wife. So yeah. it's like I've not been there for years and I was shocked actually. If I'm honest, how high market somewhere we've gone because like it was it's changed a lot around there. So yeah. in
1: the five, in, years
0: that I've been there.
1: Even in the past year it's changed enormously. Like there seems to be a whole overhaul happening. But um as far as I'm concerned, it's the best place to be for poetry. I, I there's so much, so much going yeah. on, and it seems like new events pop up every other week. Like I've done I've performed in other cities and they're all fabulous, but like the Leeds scene is something else. I, I adore it and I can't imagine <laughs> straying. Yeah. I've got yeah. a
0: kind of I've got a kind of cousin who we met up with for the first time actually in Leeds a few weeks ago. I was the last ever sat there it was, and when we were up there, seeing Amanda's family in Bradford. And mm-hmm. he was great. i hadn't met, met the lad before, actually. And he was like, he was telling me about how it had changed all around then. And it was, I think Leeds has always been a very vibrant city, anyway. And yes. it's like, I noticed it around there. I noticed it had changed a lot, but it was like, yeah, definitely not. So, but anyway, listen, we hear something about you, not how wonderful <laughs> Leeds is as <in> a city, <laughs> which it is, anyway. So, almost as good as Manchester. So, but obviously, almost. where did your creativity ever come from then, start.
1: Um... Up with? Yeah, so I've. It's the typical. It's the typical story, isn't it? Like I've always grown up writing. I knew I loved writing from the like being a really, really little kid. I was a voracious reader. I never, I never put a book down. But like, it wasn't until I got to uni that I figured out what I wanted to do with writing and what i loved because um growing up in high school like if you like writing and you like reading basically the two things they tell you are to become an english teacher or to go into publishing um so i just assumed i was going to do one of those two things cuz that seemed like the only options out there for someone with my kind of skills um and then i got to uni um and the spoken word society were putting on a pre slam for this slam they were doing called slam of the north um, mm. and i remember think i remembered thinking like because I'd grown up watching these button poetry videos on YouTube, like a lot of poets my age, just couldn't get enough of that American slam. Um, and I remember thinking, like, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to do this. I can bang out an essay. I can bang out a book review. There's, it can't be that different. So I went home and I hammered something out in one night, and then I I took it to the pre-slam just to see what would happen. Mm um and it was a it was a disaster i was so nervous that i forgot the poem one line in because i was like i'm not going to read it i'm just going to memorize it and get up on stage and do it um i forgot the poem one line in totally froze big dramatic moment it was awful and had to start over again um and then i made it through the poem the second time but luckily the poem was about having a social anxiety disorder. And so people thought it was just a really clever bit of acting that I was doing. (laughs) Um, They assumed it was, you know, me being very on theme and in character and didn't clock that it was a mistake. Um, And I was lucky enough that after that slam, um, a couple of like older students in like their third year came up and told me they really liked my piece. Um, And that was it then I was like, Oh, this is, this is the thing that I want to be doing. Like, Uh, this poetry world is mad and I'm obsessed with it so um that kind of lit the fire um and then I got involved with the uni paper and I became a music journalist and I did arts journalism as well um mostly as a way to like I was writing about all these shows and I was writing about all these gigs and that meant I was taking in a lot more um so I was learning a lot faster about like what I liked and trying to develop my taste that way I think uh so yeah that's the story (laughs)
0: Brilliant. That's brilliant now if people look at your bio obviously now I'm mm-hmm. gonna to have to ask you first of all obviously I'm going to call you Rhiannon today obviously but you have to say you said already you' performed this stage it's good night the sky yeah we need to know then, where did that alias come from first of all then it's <laughs> um, brilliant it's brilliant that's why I know you
1: confi-
0: you. I know thank you like me. I know you've heard both sides of it really mm-hmm. and it's okay so it does confuse me a little bit but I like being confused <laughs> <laughs>
1: um well my name is Rhiannon Sky um because I'm I'm a quarter Welsh And so my dad wanted to give me a Welsh name. Um, So that was where Rhiannon came from, but he decided that just wasn't pretentious and unique enough. So he threw Sky on the end um, after the Isle of Sky, which is where my dad has gone a lot in his life and has a lot of memories there. Um, And when I was getting into journalism and getting into performing I had to shed my atrociously embarrassing original online username that was just so terrible that I knew I had to pick something else because I couldn't imagine being connected to it for the rest of my life Um, and I remember thinking about like what inspired my work the most and what I was aesthetically drawn to and like you can probably tell I'm pretty goth um I'm a little bit goth um uh, the, and same, so, the same
0: that I use in Stratford is where I'm Richard Ryan my is Rava. <laughs> right
1: <laughs> yeah so I went with I went with good night the sky because it linked me to like being a little bit underground being a little bit subversive being a little bit more <laughs> attracted to writing about darker subjects than being like a really upbeat sunshiny poet um plus I just couldn't I couldn't go by my original handle anymore because it was so embarrassing. <laughs> so I had to pick a new one.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I can't blame you on that. So you always like people are wondering. Obviously, Andy N is not my real name, and like, mm-hmm. I stumbled onto this a long time ago, and it yeah. kind of stuck. No the what you do something, you do like it's you stumble onto things like that. It just suits you really well. So
1: yeah. now,
0: obviously, in your case, I know obviously you're be you're a multiple times slam champion, aren't you? So so. <laughs> I want to obviously. I want to ask you about the one you you've just won actually last year actually mm-hmm. in Huddersfield. But well, tell us about then first of all. Then your your first one at Leeds was it the winning? I can't even pronounce it, Congate Slam on the North team, and then you won yeah. the annual Beeston Slam, didn't you, in eighteen and nineteen? Yeah. So tell us about those two then, and then how the journey led to you winning the Huddersfield Slam.
1: okay so um the slam of the north thing was put together by the lead spoken word society in um in 2019 or maybe earlier than that actually maybe 2018 um it was put together by talia who is still an active spoken word artist uh they're in sheffield now um and they're absolutely amazing and they were kind of one of the first poetry mentors i had because um they encouraged me to uh do the slam to get into slam of the north and they gladly let me onto the team and that was my first experience with like actual collegiate poetry. We met up like every week, we went over poems, we collaborated and wrote poems together Um, and that was obviously a brand new experience because I think for a lot of poets, poetry is a very solitary exercise Um, and suddenly suddenly we were having to write poems in pairs and as a group. Um, and the whole thing was that we were going to show up as the as the Leeds Uni team, as the Uni of Leeds team. And then I think Beckett showed up and I think Manchester and either Sheffield or Huddersfield brought their university teams as well. And we all got together in the theatre at Uni of Leeds um, and we did a collegiate, a friendly collegiate wow. slam ahead of Uni Slam, which is the big one. It was kind of a, a preamble mm. for that. Um, and uh, we were lucky enough that our team won, uh, the Uni Leeds team won, maybe because we had home court advantage because we were performing on our own campus and there were a lot of our like friends there. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. It was amazing to get to collaborate with po- on poetry with like, like-minded like people, but also poets who've been at it a lot longer than I had. There were a lot of people on that team who'd been doing poetry longer than i had and like had a much more in-depth knowledge of it and i remember just being in awe of them and being really grateful that i was (laughs) along for the ride um and i got to help conceptualize the group poem we did which was a protest poem it was um it was kind of like um an intersectional protest poem where each of us were talking about how uh, the tory government had affected our us in personal and differing ways um and so the power of us all standing on that stage and doing that group poem was just just unmatched. It was absolutely great. And uh, it was nice to win because it it was on our turf. So it was it was nice that we got to put a good show on for everybody, I think.
0: Brilliant. Now, obviously, like four said, we've talked to her, there is two of us as well. So, but obviously, like I said, um, so tell us about then obviously the one in Huddersfield then which you won last year.
1: Yeah, so um, I took a not willing hiatus from poetry during the pandemic which i think everyone's familiar with everybody kind of had to do that um like i remember late 2019 I was I was gigging all over the place. I was really excited. I was like, I'm going to graduate uni and I'm going to hit the ground running. I'm going to gig everywhere. Um, and then the pandemic happened and everybody kind of had to take a step back from performing on stages and things like that. Um, so when things started opening up again at the start of last year, I saw that they were having a slam and I thought, maybe this is the best way to kind of test the waters and see if this is something I even still know how to do. You know what I mean? Been, yeah,
0: yeah. It's no. been two
1: years and I was like, I might not even know how to do this anymore. <laughs> like I've no idea. Um but I w- I was getting geared up to do it and then my friend Lil who is also a poet who went to Uni of Leeds they're also in Sheffield now um, they messaged me and said they were slamming in it as well um, and so we invited our whole little crew of Sheffield and Sheffield adjacent um, oh, creatives and we all rocked up there together it was in this beautiful venue with a tree going straight up the middle of the room it was gorgeous um and me and my friend lil i remember joking i was like i'm not one of those poets who wrote a ton of new material like over the course of the pandemic so you're gonna know what i'm coming to slam with um and they said the same they were performing some old standards that we both knew um so it was absolutely amazing to like get back into it by stepping onto this stage with someone who i consider a really close poetry friend and a mentor and it meant we got to scream for each other it was it was amazing um and I was lucky enough to win, which was shocking. It was my first time out since 2019, and I was not expecting it. Um, wow. But it was it was such a it was such a pleasure. Rose put on it was Rose Condo who ran it. Um, I know, she's I know really knows, active. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's really active in um, Huddersfield, and she just put on an amazing event. And it was absolutely great to. Get off on stage with all these poets because aside from Lil, I didn't know any of them because they were all part of the Huddersfield scene. Um So it was amazing to get to see all these new poets perform and like feel like my passion for it had been reignited after a bit of a unwilling twenty four month break. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: no, it's it's everybody that really, tells not you? Because certainly, like I'm, I saw, sort of talk digress very slightly, but you're right. When it happened, like I said, I, I was put locked in for a year because I'm diabetic. Yeah. And yeah. at that time, like the job sent me, day job sent me home. And Amanda's, Amanda's white work dried up. So the pair of us are sat here, not wanting, somehow not killing each other. And you do, it's like it's it's a real pressure cooker. And when you get back to wanting to perform again, you don't know whether as a person you're going to have changed. Yeah. Whether you, it's what you want. So yeah, no respect, you I'm well done for winning that. Definitely so.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Was, it was weird, like looking at the material and like feeling like I still connected to the material, which at this point was years old, you know what I mean? That yeah, that was yeah. a bizarre experience, yeah.
0: Yeah, because we were on some of the Zoom groups at the time when I over-locked down, and it was ironic, as soon as lockdown finished, we both said to each other, we're not writing anymore, and that stuff, we're moving onwards. But yeah. everybody else is just coming out with all these lockdown poems. I thought to myself, well, you've got to find a way of moving on with your work, and it's always your crack up. Yeah. so." But anyway, that's, that's the story of another day, that. so Now, I want to talk to you today um, as well, about your free chat books you sent over to me as well. Yeah. Which I'm sort sure call them the po- Posey Ford Trilogy, because they were, really. Yeah. So, now, obviously, and um, I want to learn, first of all, then, was this originally set up as a trilogy, or did it all things develop as you went along, should we say?
1: Um, yeah, I think... Um, so these poems were written over quite a long span of time they were written a lot of them were written um, pre-pandemic and they were just kind of floating pieces of page poetry that I'd come up with over like a long period of time Um, and then I was collating them because I wanted to put out like a digital thing during the pandemic because I wanted to connect with other poets the only way that we really could at that time which was like through instagram and through social media and things um so i was going to put this together just to send out to some friends um and as i was looking at it i realized that even though all of these poems were united in that they were trying to bring about some kind of emotion that i felt we were lacking at that time Mm. they weren't all in exactly the same category. And so I was trying to figure out, because I'd never put a collection together before. um, So I was a little bit unmoored and lost. um, So I was trying to figure out how to streamline it and make it feel like a a cohesive thing. Um, So I put out a call on Twitter and I was like, friends who enjoy poetry, what do you go to poetry for? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And
1: a lot of people said like inspiration, they come to it for ideas and excitement um, a lot of people said like energy like reading poetry made them energized and motivated to work on their own stuff and some people said like I go to poetry for solace for comfort for um, to feel less alone and I looked at the poems that I would decided to put in this collection and realized that they were split into those three camps there were poems I'd written to give myself energy there were poems that I'd written to comfort myself and there were poems that I'd written to tap into a sense of like wonder and magic and things like that. Um, Because during that time I was going through a bit of a protracted health scare um, and I was Mm. lacking in all of those things. And so even though I wasn't in a position to write because I was so poorly, I was in a position to edit and collate and put together. So um, it was kind of an act of self-care to put these three mini collections together to give myself what I was needing at that time and hopefully give like i was only thinking about giving it to my friends i was like these might be make them smile during this week of unending time that we're in um so i split them up based on those three things that i wanted my friends to get out of it and then i started adding other things like uh recipes and meditations and things like that to help make it a more fully rounded experience
0: Brilliant. because yeah, it's a fantastic little book, so yeah. you sent them all through in one big PDF to me. Yes. I've really I've really enjoyed it because I felt sometimes when you, you read debut collections by, by writers and you know it yourself, because you know you read them like like I do, sometimes you can actually read them and you think they've only got one voice. But mm. what I loved about the voice was I got several different voices coming through in this collection. All I could feel was you, but the mm-hmm. styles are really different in places. Now as people know, obviously, I don't like asking direct questions about collections, but I do want to ask you about, uh, certainly one or two of your recipes that cropped up in the collection. For yeah. example, Fairy Shortbread. Now, yeah. what made you want to put the I would call poetic recipes into this collection?
1: <laughs> um, oh, that's um, that's funny um I think I just wanted it to be um I wanted to make the audience a more active participate participator in it is what I wanted to do um because I wasn't really thinking about releasing this as a collection in like the professional poet kind of way I was just trying Mm. to build something that I thought my friends would be Mm. able to enjoy or take something from from and I wanted them to be able to participate in the emotions of the collection i wanted them to like if the collection was to bring comfort and solace then i wanted them to have something tangible that represented those emotions but also to be able to participate in the ethos of these collections which is like Through it, I've tried to talk a lot about, like, tangibility and, like, getting your hands dirty and things. And I wanted them to be able to get some of the joy of, like, actually building something with your own two hands, um, which is, like, a recurring theme in the poems. So I thought putting these recipes in... Would add a little bit of whimsy, but it would also like maybe someone who's having a bit of a bad time would be reading through the collection and see this recipe for shortbread and see that there's like three ingredients and it's really easy and think, oh, maybe I'll spend half an hour today doing that. And then they'll get to access some of the more visceral emotions in the collection, is what yeah. I'm
0: thinking. I think it's a great idea because it's it gives it that sort of lightness, which in some cases your pieces. I think they are very, very, very well written, all your pieces, I'll be honest with you, Adam, but that takes it in a different direction, and I thought, yeah, that's really clever writing straight away, it, it light it, you know what I mean, it lightens the mood, doesn't it, really? so yeah. That's why, because it's, there's a lot of pieces in your book, and I'm going to, there's one I particularly wanted to talk, ask you about, actually, the Second mend one, but I loved it, where you went to like, it's miserable out, isn't it? Like, we went about Ickleborough Mountain, which I have mm-hmm. heard of, and I've, been closer, it never actually been to it. Where I loved a bit in this poem, and this is why it's really good, good clever ghost poem, This, way, where you basically gone on about the ghost living on weak tea with two sugars, and I thought to myself, it was like it's a it give it that sort of human touch again, really. When that piece did so. So, tell us about then, obviously, your love of Iqabra Mountain, and, and obviously, to do that, there's got to be some kind of relationship you got with that mountain. I would have thought.
1: Yeah, so um, this is really silly, but I went to a primary school in Beeston where our school trip every year in year five was to go to Ingleborough um, and we would stay in this big, it felt like a manor house, but I'm not, it was probably barracks or something, but it Mm. was this beautiful lush house and the whole year group would go and you would spend a week caving and tree climbing and eventually you would go and climb up mountain which it's not it's a hill um but as a kid it felt like a mountain um and i this trek is like burned into my mind it was in year five is when um my uncle gave us like a really old clunky first gen laptop right and i was given it because i told him i wanted to be an author one day um and so i came back from this Engelbert trip and hammered out like this really pretentious 10 year old oh. memoir about how much i loved it um and i just remembered like my imagination being literally ignited by this landscape because it was so rugged and so desolate and it just felt like a place where magical things could happen um and that has stuck with me i try in my poetry to access that like childlike way of seeing the world even though i'm you know a person with a mortgage and a full time job and tax <laughs> yeah, returns yeah. to do i try to come back to that feeling of like or an almost fear in the face of something so much bigger than you, um, and I'm not a religious person, so the way I access that like numinous feeling is talking about nature and talking about landscapes, um, and I just I like populating my poems that are about real places or real people or real things with um, like larger than life magical characters. So I thought the idea of this like curmudgeonly ghost hiker who is constantly haunting and <laughs> over a mountain but has a soft spot for these groups of kids from schools that come up and are just taken aback by the wonder of the place. I thought that was playful and kitschy in a way that might make some people smile, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's got the sort of, there's a playfulness in your work and I agree with you straight away with that. And it's easy, very easy to read, but also I've seen a few of your videos and it's, it's very you as a person, I think, on stage as well. So yeah, that's what I thought, picking that piece now. Start winding down because I want to touch and obviously let people know what else you're doing as well. Because, mm-hmm. like, people would see the research you, you're you are very busy, it's not just for your poetry either. So, I want to learn first of all about your Edinburgh to Leeds collaboration with yeah. Cam Naylor, which was released back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about that for Dexton, first of all.
1: Yeah, so, um, Cam is a friend of my partner's, he went to Leeds Beckett to study production and performance music production and performance um and over the course of his like studies i he went from performing like traditional rock music to writing electronic music Mm. and where he ended was as like this incredibly artistic experimental sound artist so he is really interested in found sound and i think as part of his um further studies in manchester i think he'll kill me if i get this wrong um he's been going around and working with various arts organizations to capture found sound and transform it into all these different kinds of things um and i'm in awe of what he does because it's so weird and so incredibly like high concept um and i'm obsessed with what he does um but he he in a similar way said he was really excited by my work because my work has narrative and my work is very upfront about what it's about. Um, there's no questions in the way there is with that more abstract kind of art. Like, you know what you're getting with a spoken word piece. Um, and so we thought it'd be really cool to collaborate on something. And he asked me if I had any um travel poems are poems with a strong sense of place um and i'd had this edinburgh to leeds poem for a long time which is about um it's not really about edinburgh it's about leeds's history with alternative music and how throughout the decades leeds's connection to alternative music has shifted and changed um So what he did was he went away and created these like immersive soundscapes to put behind the poem. So as I'm talking about the Leeds goth scene, you can hear like far away guitars, you can hear like the crashing of the waves, you can hear people talking in cafes, things like that. Um, And it was just absolutely amazing. I love collaborating with other artists and I especially love collaborating with musicians because... I was a music critic for so long. I was in abandoned high school. Like I consider my work music adjacent. I make a lot of jokes about a lot of spoken word artists just wishing they were rock stars, but we're not. So we do this instead. Um, so it was an absolute honor to get to collaborate with him, um, especially given like how next level his work is. And I hope we get to do it again because it was so much fun.
0: Really, please do, please do, certainly. Because I've got it. I'm looking forward, looking forward to that, definitely. Because I thought it was good, really. I was really impressed when I heard that straight away. So, definite. Now, obviously, I want to touch on the very base, obviously, before we go into the wrap-up questions. Obviously, mm-hmm. people research you, they will know. Obviously, you're a, a aside poetry. Obviously, I know you do copywriting, content writing, and I think you're still doing music journalism, but I could yeah. be wrong with that one. But obviously, like when you're doing all those sort of various platforms like that. You find, don't you? It's almost like you're flicking a different switch in your brain, don't you? When yeah. In not doing poetry. So, do you find your approach when you write each of these sort of projects changes?
1: Yeah, I think, I think for sure. I think any writing you do, um, helps to improve your other writing, even if they're completely far apart. So I think half the reason I have an easy time with poetry is because I'm writing thousands of words a day every day, um, whether I'm working on poetry or not. So those skills are staying like sharp. So I'm a big like advocate of writing anything you can in order to improve your skills in whatever area of writing you want to improve your skills in. Um but even though they help improve each other, they are completely different. Um worlds especially although um the surprising thing is like the copywriting i do the writing for adverts and for businesses things like that isn't as far away from poetry as you might think because there's a lot of focus on wordplay and there's also a lot of focus on does it sound good when you read it out loud because that's what what a business is looking for they're looking for something that has that little like switch of cleverness um so ironically, like the work I do for writing adverts for businesses, that's pretty close to poetry because you're you're talking about simile, you're talking about metaphor, you're talking about uh like being a bit clever and a bit like cool. Um, but the majority of the work I do is uh arts journalism for a website called 80s kids. Um and that's pretty far away from poetry, um, because you're it's not about you. There's we don't write in the first person. So you're not in the piece and you shouldn't be in the piece. Whereas at least my spoken word is pretty self-centred. I'm the eye in most of my poems. Um, But I think that's good. I think it would be incredibly bad for my self-obsession if I was writing about myself all day, every day, or putting myself in all that work. Um, So, yeah, it's very different. But I think being good at one has helped me to get better at the others.
0: Yeah, I believe so in that myself because, like, it's side pro which people know i'm a podcaster i'm an I'm a, yeah. I'm a musician myself and other bits and pieces myself and it's like it's you do it. i think it's when you learn to train your brain one creative medium me, it comes easier to do the rest and so i know good a yeah. definitely so right well we better start wrapping up this point next i want to give you a chance to read out a few poems for us so but a couple of questions to wrap up with so i always like to ask what do you have planned next anything anything you can reveal
1: you've got in the pipeline um so I can't do specifics yet, um, but I do have a couple of um, out of Leeds appearances coming up. I'm going to some places that aren't Leeds to perform, which will be uh, delightful. So if people want to know about that, uh, come find me on Instagram because it will get announced there where it, when it's announced to get there. Um, I've been working on a collection that is uh, pretty fantastical. It's got a pretty fantastical theme, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. And um, I'm developing some uh, a pair of events to put on in Leeds uh, in summer and October of this year. Can't say much more about it yet. But again, come find me on Instagram because it's going to be really, really, really cool. It's going to be great. Cool.
0: cool. <laughs> Obviously, where can people find you on Instagram and grapple with?
1: Cool. Yes. Yeah, so I'm uh, goodnightthesky on Instagram, sky with an E, all one word all lowercase um and i post about upcoming gigs and appearances on there i post poetry on there um and every october i run a daily poetry channel challenge called blood and ink where we do spooky poetry prompts every day in the month of october um and we've had dancers co- c- like contribute dance pieces based on these prompts we've had songwriters get involved we've had yeah. uh, graphic designers do illustrations every day for the month which has been great um and we have like a lot of poets who get together and share us Key poems every day in October. So, if nothing else, come find me because in autumn we'll be getting creepy again and doing Blood and Ink issue four, I believe. Fourth year Great.
0: Need to mention as well, for you, so I think this is still updated, your link tree page as well. Link, then yeah. tree, obviously, linktr.ee. Good night the sky as well, because that, that's got, got a lot of your links on there as yeah. well. So, brilliant. Now, obviously, very, very quickly to wrap up, I know you do custom poetry commissions as well. Mm -hmm. So tell us very, very quickly about that as well for me to wrap up with.
1: Okay, so um, this is just one of a few weird side hustles I have. Um, But I have a lot of friends who play Dungeons and Dragons. And I have a lot of friends who have big milestones in their life, like weddings and christenings and occasionally uh, funerals. Um, And I like getting to step into somebody else's world and somebody else's life and bring um something that they need some truth that they need bringing into poetry I like collaborating with them to create these custom poems um sometimes it's really silly sometimes somebody needs a poetic riddle for their Dungeons and Dragons campaign and I provide that um and sometimes people want personal work writing to um celebrate a wedding or to commemorate somebody's life at a funeral, things like that. Um, so I really, really love doing it. I hope to do more of it this year because it's such a pleasure and a privilege. Um, but, yeah, if you find me on Linktree, you can come get me to write a custom poem for your cat's birthday or whatever.
0: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Good love. I definitely, Rhiannon. Okay, guys and girls, we're going to let and take a quick break now. She's been talking to me for too long. I've worn out where the pair of us have not careful. So she's going to do a few pieces in the second half, so... Hang around, because I love Rihanna's work. So, see you on two moments. Spoken Hi, guys. And N. the fantastic Good Night the Sky. See, I remembered that. That's not bad going for me and that. So, straight over to Good Night at the Sky now. She's going to do four poems for us. Over to you, my friend.
1: Cool. Um, this first poem is called Every Summer is the Last Summer of Something, um, and it's from my trio of poems, uh, A Bouquet for Balance. Every summer is the last summer of something. At 23, I don't know when this season stopped being mine. It couldn't be when the gingham dress stopped fitting, but maybe when it started being sold again online, every summer is the last summer of something. There was the June of smoking rubber soles and scorched feet, when the temporary huts were taken down after years of use, once the metal left pink burns on dead skin from white heat. Every summer is the last summer of something. For two months, the lush spaces became ours and ours alone, and lumbering grown-ups would sneak green-eyed, furtive glances on their way to broiling offices, or as they sweated their way home, every summer is the last summer of something. Of filthy, frilly socks and no capacity for fear, destroying the trash castles made by August's lost children, so when they returned from big school, they'd know we conquered here. Every summer is the last summer of something. On my way to work, I scan the wild places for lacerated knees. Think a heat is coming, too adolescent to be tamed, and I'm relieved to hear the kids still shout a truce into the breeze. Cheers.
0: Excellent stuff, that. Really, really lyrical, that, and definitely. <laughs> so. Do you find sometimes you look back at your stuff sometimes? I've always suffered from an imposter syndrome poetry. sometimes. I think it's not. All- have I just wrote that? You do, you feel sometimes, don't you, when it's completed, don't you? So,
1: yeah.
0: Fantastic stuff, that. What was it like with that piece? Was it one of those ones where the title came first or did that come much later on?
1: Um, So I'm not very good at, Form. i'm not very good at meter or things mm. that are very strictly held together most of what i write is spoken word or free verse which are mm. pretty loose um but i love the idea of refrains i love the idea of repetition yes. um and so the closest i get to being strict about form is putting a refrain in my work um and i just i loved the idea of this repetition especially in a piece that's about um kind of misremembering your childhood as potentially more adventurous and like huge and epic than it maybe was <laughs> i like the yeah. idea of this refrain guiding you through that memory
0: yeah it works it's really a... well the frame right, straight away and a tremendous yeah. stuff so okay we we'll us move on now because I, I don't know i'm not gonna ask you loads of deep personal questions about <laughs> it so i'm too kind to apply it so over to you my friend for number two
1: cool uh this is little rituals um it's about growing up believing in magic and superstition i grew up guessing cards face down in the pack one point for the color two for the suit a high five if we identified one perfectly there's one book that I will always lend or lose whose reader found me on a beach in Wales once and guessed the chapter I was up to just by looking I have felt the pebble sink of dread and coughed up rattle runes of truth amid the moors my co-conspirators there is a subtle spell work to pulling strings and I've been tripping on loose threads for years enough to unknot myself from my unravelling I think that there are fairy folk among us who unspool silver and leave the earth a kind of place than they found it, and while I roll my eyes at horoscopes, I bathe myself in yellow light before exams and comfort myself with the thought that there are people who believe stranger things than this. Yes.
0: Excellent, again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of magic in your collection straight away with that, so I should have asked mm-hmm. you that in the first half. and <laughs> Nope, not happened anyway. So, But is it... Okay, we'll ask you this one now. Then, so, undulation to magic was this. This something that's always been of interest to you, as it, as a writer.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it's kind of the. I write about a lot of different themes. I write about queerness. I write about mental illness. I write about growing up working class. Um, and these are all pretty divergent things. But the one commonality is that I like to populate these things with the fantastical. Um, I don't know why I do it. I think it's a way of universalizing these experiences that maybe aren't universal, because even if you can't relate to like realizing that you like women, you can probably relate to the idea of like, a love that feels like it's born of like fairy tale. You know what I mean? That's a thing that everybody has in their blood, is this understanding of fairy tales and these archetypes. Um, and so using them creates distance, it makes it easier to write about difficult subjects, but um, it also universalizes and makes these poems hopefully more relatable to everybody. Um, at least I hope.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that's tremendous stuff. So okay, on to number three.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, this is called What You Don't See. (laughs) In the fair coffee shop, the baristas have sharp teeth and the coffee isn't free. But you ask for lavender and they don't charge you any extra. They ask for your name, for the order. But you know better. So you hand over one that sat raw iron on your tongue for months and trust that they will find a better use for it. The blue haired cashier gently receives it, then gleefully retreats to the kitchen to steep it into syrup or soften its harsh edges with vanilla. You tip extremely well, accept no change that's in silver, stir in sugar anti clockwise so as not to draw the ire of the manager, sit and sip in the corner by the wall with the world's most audacious houseplants. No one is allowed to lie here. So when they tell you you look beautiful, you know that they mean it. And with mischief, they say it most on the days you don't believe it. You find notes in the pockets of your coat. When you get home, it's spelt out in spilt cocoa or sung to you by strangers on the radio. The tray of brownies by the door says take one and you say maybe next time everyone knows the power of a promise here the weight of your words measured out in brass scales and lapped up by over-enthusiastic walls when you leave it feels like no time has passed at all but you step out with purse and spirit lighter throughout your day you get five phone numbers and two dates and at the charity shop you find a burnished yellow plate and that's how you know that you are a favoured customer cheers
0: Fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> Tremendous. And I love the way the references then, but the, the customer at the end of it, and that ties up really, really well. That one does so. Excellent stuff. I'm not going to ask you what talking about there particularly.
1: particular. <laughs> oh, uh, it's kind you can. It's um, an indirect love letter to Flamingo's, the queer coffee shop in Leeds.
0: <laughs> no excellent, excellent stuff. So okay, okay, Right. We'll, we'll wrap up now. to part number four. As I always say, we're spoken label. The big finale.
1: Okay. I'm not that I'm putting
0: pressure on you, Rihanna. of course. No,
1: don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, In that case, I'll I'll change what I'm going to do. Here we go. Um, This is that first aforementioned poem that I performed at my first ever slam. Um, It's called Alien Skin. It's about having an anxiety disorder, Um, but it shouldn't need a content warning, I don't think. Cool. Summer brings with it my alien skin. And indeed, this skin makes it hard to fit in, because indeed, it's hard to fit in this skin, hard to pour myself in, which is a convoluted way to say I just can't win. And the sweltering heat makes it harder still. A thousand suns sizzling meat, sweating seconds until due magnetic reversal goes in for the kill, and my alien skin saves no one but me. You see, I'm a stuttering staccato note in this corrugated symphony, in this Mad Max dystopia where sunshine frees me of all company. My skin can adapt but never reaches what it strives to be. Its attempts at other life forms lack subtlety. Devour hungrily my attempts at conversation soon. My alien skin is all I can talk to. My exoskeleton a medicine for the fact there's nothing else to do, kicking nuclear reactors to feel something like a valentine. It's asinine the way my life's now something to survive through. I'm eggshell, invincible, intangible, without external validation, I'm still visible, September's fast approach and fast lunch, the punchline, punchline pinnacle, alien abduction in reverse, rehearse human mannerisms, and ready for the onslaught, these human mannerisms are not grown but taught, my alien skin doesn't like, cold. doesn't fit as well as it used to, I'm breaking, I won't survive till Christmas break. My alien skin doesn't like colder climates and for fractal fishes a touch is all it takes. My old skin raw and not ready to step up to the plate shop late to class with a backpack and a porous sell-by date. Forced to become myself again. I reflect on what the word alien really means. Sure gonna thrift shop personality and tuck summer skin tatters into the seams when I meet people I can speak to. In this heavy earth tongue I wonder if our atoms were close together when this universe spun to life. If soulmates are just cosmic clouds rife with complementary compounds, I hope so. It would be nice to know there are some for whom I'm familiar ground, who I can be myself around, cause round these parts I'm still rounding up the parts of me I tried so hard to dumb down, but winter brings with it a skin of my own. Too bright and too tight to feel quite like home, but I'm learning. Peeling alien skin, revealing witching bones, muscles made of maidens and sinew made of crones. Halloween's approach a chance to start anew, if not alone. And so, let winter be a vaulter. Let my skeleton be absolved and exposed and start over. Let the old new me lose novelty and the new old me get older because this skin was so much safer. But these bones are so much bolder. Cheers,
0: what a finish! Oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, you can see straight away that was the people that was most definitely what you did as a performance. piece that one. Yeah. Some of the other ones were obviously perhaps more, more pagey. yeah.
1: But that
0: wasn't it. Showed it's a great way of finishing off that today, Rihanna. It showed if people went to see you on stage, that's what I think you get a really good hint of what you'd be like. Oh,
1: tremendous,
0: yeah. tremendous. That one, so by anyway, the listen, we're going to wrap up anyway now. So I want to thank you again for today. It's been a pleasure. It's took too long. Yeah,
1: yep. yep. <laughs> it's we been just... an absolute. It's been a joy and a pleasure, and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled we got to get this nailed down, and that we finally got to yeah. do it. It's been only great.
0: took only took about four years, but anyway. yeah,
1: only four years. Fine. Yeah. Maybe I'll come back in another four years when you're at yeah. your fifth, your 500th episode.
0: Well, probably I might have, might have some hair left by that point as well. So. <laughs> but anyway, listen seriously. Thank you again, Rihanna. And so, hang around because we got go talk further anyway. So, but as Don Callis at Impact Wrestling. He does. He's not actually impact wrestling anymore now. He's back at AEW. But anyway, he does say, "I love this saying. It was great to wrap up with. Stay safe and stay over. And we will see you all next time."
1: Spoken mate.